Hi everybody, welcome to Under the Table. Before I even start saying anything, apologies for the voice. I know I sound like I'm sitting underwater with a pillow jammed across my face, but I in fact have a cold, so please excuse me. I'm I'm not doing very well. And it just so happens when I do have a cold, I tend to be in a terribly grumpy, cynical horrifically over-analytical mood. Uh, so you're just going to have to sit tight and have a listen to me rant just a little bit. This this week has been long. It's been quite uh, taxing in terms of what's been happening in the country. It's been a change and revolution week. Uh, students, if you didn't know, if you're listening from elsewhere in the world, um, students around our country varsity students have taken up the fees will must fall movement uh, they're advocating for tertiary education to be free and they won i would say the first part of their fight by marching to the union buildings and holding protests for the better part of last week and the previous week and have managed to cut out the fee increment for next year, so there will be no fee rise for students next year. Uh, the movement continues. It is in its second week now, and students are still fighting hard for the better of education. The thing that struck me about the movement is something I wrote an op-ed in the Cape Argus about uh, a local newspaper. It's about the women at the forefront of this revolution. It does seem to be a very inspirational uh, point for many people who have observed how it's been going. There are two young ladies who started this um, on the ground with bodies kind of revolution movement at the University of the Vodvatistrand, Witz. And these two young ladies have made me think long and hard about the role and the differing roles that women are now starting to play in not only South African context, but context around the world. It's not a cry to be treated equally. It's not a cry to be um, treated any differently for being female. It's just, I'm a human being and I am fighting for a common cause. There were, there were people at the beginning of the Fees Must Fall protest who tried to make it about gender. And I am superbly impressed that it didn't become about that. It evolved into something that's made men and women proud because gender has, for the first time, not become the talking point. Um, it's just shown that us tiny, frail, pretty little beacons of hope in dresses, as we're often put, are not as frail as people try to sometimes make us out to be. One of the things that came up on my social media feeds um, and in the news, tampon tax. Can we just, I just want to have a little bit of a, a say about tampon tax this week. Tampon tax is the name that's now been dubbed for tax applicable to tampons and uh, sanitary wear, I suppose, uh, by the United Nations. So uh, it's a 5% tax that's applied. And this was debated um, amongst the heads, 
political heads. Um, lots of women saying, how can a room full of men debate luxury sanitary wear? But there are two sides to the argument. I do understand that it is an essential item um, and comes across as an essential item, as tampons are. Periods are a natural process. We need to do something about them. But on that point, we do need to think a little bit further than our noses. Um, while tampons may to us be an essential item, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of young women and women across the world, especially on the African continent, for whom sanitary pads and sanitary wear is not an is, is it's not an everyday basic item. It is a luxury item. There are thousands of boxes by charity organizations that go into the African continent um, and around South Africa handing out sanitary wear uh, for young women. And it's a sad state of affairs because on one hand we say don't take care of us, but on the other hand it's a natural process that needs to be handled. So I, I, I'm kind of stuck in the middle with, with the argument. Of course, sanitary wear is also um, taxed in South Africa. We have value-added tax, VAT. And for those of us who can afford it, I think we've never really thought about it. It's not, not been on our priority list um, here or debated in our parliament. Uh, perhaps it should be. I don't know. But... Um, before before you do yell about its merits as a luxury or non-luxury item, please remember that there are women around the world who don't see it as such. There are still women who have to wash out um, wads of cloth. And these are also being introduced, of course, in um, in in countries by organizations to help girls who can't have access to disposable sanitary pads and tampons. So spare a thought for them. Um, I was a little bit mad, of course, because this brought up a whole list of things about men trying to find comparable male-only items. And ugh, there was someone who decided that trousers a while back were uh, quintessentially male Speaking of trousers, uh, how do men decide what office wear is? I, I've been a journalist for a really long time, and but I've also worked in the corporate world. And one of the things that has always irritated me is this prevalence of what is appropriate dress wear for the office. So men get a list of trousers, as they call them, or pants and a shirt, open collar or not, tie or not, jacket or not, and cufflinks if you so feel like it. But women get a breakdown of, this is when you're allowed to wear a skirt or a flowy skirt, and the default business item to look like a serious businesswoman and be taken seriously are tailored shirts and pencil skirts, which also came up in my op-ed because it grates me a lot. Have you ever, uh, as a man, tried to walk in a pencil skirt? There's no woman really on this planet who can say that stairs, first of all, non-negotiable. You can't, you, a flight of stairs in a pencil skirt drops below your knees. Does not a, an elegant businesswoman make. It doesn't make you look serious. It makes you look like a penguin who's got a rubber band around her knees. Um, 
it's not even an issue of comfort. But who decided this? Who decided that women's workwear, women need to be wearing tailored this, that, and the other? And then how tailored is it? So if it's too tight, it's a problem. And if it's too loose, then you look shabby. And if it's too loose, then it loses the effect of a pencil skirt. And then the underwear problem that has to come with a pencil skirt. Like, men, do men not... No, I know men don't recognize how much doing a pencil skirt takes, like seamless underwear or those horrible G-string kind of, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm trying not to say it in a crude way possible because your kids might be in the car and I'm really sorry, but someone needs to say this. Someone needs to talk about Spanx and can men stop deciding what we need and what we don't need? The thing that needs to happen mostly, I think, is men need to listen more to women without uh, assuming that everything we do is because we're having an emotional reaction. Because, you know, as a, as a tweet I just read, men, men are overreacting all the time to our overreactions about things. But a lot of you, a lot of you vest a lot of emotional need and emotional uh, tension in a game that's essentially a giant game of fetch. I love football. That's nothing to do with football. Um, about football and sport, because that's the other thing. I have very many female journalist friends who travel quite a lot to cover sport around the world. Motomark um, Munda uh, is, is, is for Dos Munda, and she is one of those that um, she's about to go off to India, as I'm sure you've heard from her podcasts. And she's also highlighted something that Julia Stewart um, in a previous one of my podcasts had highlighted. Female toilets are generally unavailable to women in sports stadia around the world. So if there's anyone listening to this, could you just please, could you just install toilets for women at stadia? It would help us immensely to not be um, shunted to the side. And some of us can wear our football jerseys with pride if you just gave us somewhere to pee. Okay. Um, I don't know. That was very unusual under the table for this week. But like I said, I'm a little bit um, medically, medically uh, touched thanks to my flu meds. And I had a bit to rant about. So your ever-listening ears are my favorite thing. Um, let me know if you have anything to rant about. You know where to find me. My Twitter handle, at Bav Singh. Come rant at me. Sometimes I need to get things out because, you know, I'm female and emotional. Um, <laughs> and for those of you who are wondering um, what else is going on in my brain, I promise to have a few more rant sessions. If I can get um, John and to edit it for me and cut out all the rambling bits as I'm doing now. All right, I'll leave you alone for now. Go listen to something else that's probably far more intellectually stimulating somewhere else. Um, try one of my colleagues on uh, Niche Radio. And I will chat to you next week, hopefully not sounding like a snot monster. That is Under the Table. Good to have you with me.